Hi, welcome to episode 525 of the Fantastic Forecast. I'm Dave Elliott, and I think I'm going to write my congressmen to see if they can bring back lawn darts. Sure, a few kids died, but my freedom to play lawn darts is more important than their lives. Stupid kids. Today is Fantastic Four 525 from June 2005. Dream Fever, part one, by guest writer Carl Kessel and guest artist Tom Grummet. So Alicia is babysitting the kids, Franklin and Valeria, when the whole building shakes and Alicia figures the Fantastic Four have just arrived. I'm surprised that Alicia would want to babysit the kids at the Baxter building. She's not worried about bad guys showing up and beating the crap out of her. It's happened before. So the Fantastic Four are home from their adventure in the microverse, which must not have been much of an adventure because we don't see it. And it's not in this year's annual either because we're in a glorious nine year stretch of no annuals. It's wonderful. The kids rush out to greet their parents. Ben thanks Alicia for tending to the kids, saying, This wasn't exactly a family-friendly trip. Okay, now I'm intrigued. Not a family-friendly trip? Is that why we didn't see it? What happened on that trip? I want to know. I have a very active imagination, and I'm imagining all kinds of not-so-family-friendly stuff. They ask Alicia what's been going on while they were gone, and she tells them the big news. The Chesler Hotel is being torn down. Oh no, not the Chesler Hotel. New York will just not be the same without it. Actually, I've never heard of the place. She says it's being torn apart by hand by its own residents and they won't let anyone else inside. So back at the Chesler Hotel, which is I assume located in the Chesler neighborhood in New York, there's an armed gunman yelling out the window, yelling out, back, back, stay back, it's ours, all ours. Anybody comes close, I'll shoot, I'll shoot. The Human Torch comes speeding in, crashing through a window, and he finds a bunch of residents inside, tearing the place apart like they're looking for hidden treasure. Someone tries to shoot Johnny, but he melts the bullets. Next, they open up a couple of water pipes, which just so happen to be aiming right toward Johnny, and that starts to extinguish his flames. One of the guys says, As I always say, my friend, you shouldn't tempt fate. And size does matter. What the hell is he talking about? The size of his pipes? Does that matter? It seems like an odd place for a size matters joke. And then Ben busts down the front door, saying that he's from the National Society for Senseless Destruction, Yancey Street chapter. You think he's joking, but I bet that's a real thing. So the rest of the FF arrive, and Reed tries to tell the residents that they're there to help. Yeah, I'm sure he'd love to help. Reed would love to find that buried treasure and take it all for himself, like the greedy one percenter that he is. He asks Sue to turn the building around them invisible, except for the plumbing, and they notice all the pipes in the building are made of gold. Now, how did Reed know that? By the way, is this the Chesler Tower or Trump Tower? Pipes made out of gold? They figure someone has been changing the lead pipes into gold, like it must be alchemy. Which means, it must be the work of Diablo. Actually, 
It should be pretty nice of Diablo. Those lead pipes can be dangerous. Gold pipes, much safer. And then Diablo appears as the room fills with vapor. He says to Reed, I'm impressed your wife instantly constructed a force field to keep out my somnabominust. I rarely expect such quick thinking from a woman. Oh, come on. He's trying to trump up his game, too. He's stealing my thing. Plus, he's an immigrant coming to America and stealing good-paying jobs from hard-working American supervillains. What a bastard. Johnny tries to attack Diablo, but Diablo uses his powers to ionize the air into solid crystal, which Johnny crashes into. It's not the first time Johnny's plowed into crystal, but this does not have the same effect. Ben grabs a big gold pipe and tosses it, <laughs> tosses it at Diablo. It's not the first time Ben has tried to whack a guy hard with a big pipe. The pipe hits the crystal wall and falls to the ground. Reed wraps his body around Diablo and smacks him up against the wall, telling Diablo to end this now. Diablo replies, But I already have, Dr. Richards. Look around you. The FF look around, and all the building's residents in the room have been frozen solid, stiff as statues. It's not the first time Diablo has made a room full of men stiff. Okay, I'm not doing that anymore. Reed decides to let Diablo go and see what he's up to. Diablo pulls out these glowing, this glowing object he calls the Philosopher's Stone. Oh great, Carl Kessel can't come up with an original idea, so he has to rip off Zosimos of Panopolis. Let's just hope the estate of Zosimos of Panopolis doesn't sue. The stone turns all the gold pipe back into lead. Next, the FF asks Diablo what he's up to, so he starts to explain. Oh great, another flashback to the 9th century. If I wanted to read about the 9th century, I'd buy the collected works of Hamo of Holoberstadt. But by now, haven't we all read the works of Hamo of Holoberstadt so many times? So anyway, Diablo begins saying that in the 9th century Spain, a woman knew her role, which was to support and serve her master, allowing him time to pursue higher goals, like in Diablo's case, it allowed him to study science and alchemy and come up with a way to restore his youth and vigor. But during the Spanish Inquisition, Diablo was captured and tortured, and he barely escaped with his life. He vowed to return to his homeland one day and wreak vengeance on his tormentors. But doggone it, his tormentors are dead now. He wasn't able to get back in time. But here's the rub, he wants to borrow Reed's time machine, which is really Dr. Doom's time machine, and travel back in time to his home country and finally wreak havoc on his old tormentors. Wow, talk about carrying a grudge. His tormentors have been dead for a thousand years, and yet he still can't get over it. It's like he's Johnny Storm and his tormentors are Joan Rivers. Reed informs him that he can't go back in time and change the past like that because, you know, bad things can happen. Diablo says he will give Reed two days to change his mind, and if he doesn't, he will change something else into gold. Is that really such a bad thing? And he says he's going to change something into gold every day until Reed lets him use that time machine. And then he fades away, leaving the FF to ponder what they can do in two days to stop his plans. I know what I would do. Instead of sending him a thousand years into the past, send him a thousand years into the future and let them deal with the guy. The next morning, Ben and Sue are in the kitchen having breakfast with Franklin and Valeria. 
and it seems that none of them slept very well the night before. Finn says he eats too much when he's nervous, and it could ruin his girlish figure. It is kind of a girlish figure, if that girl is Janet Reno. Franklin says he had the weirdest dream the night before. Okay, I'm listening. Considering how weird most dreams are, this better be pretty darn weird to qualify as the weirdest. He says he was in a strange place made out of geometric shapes and bright colors, except for this one dark area where he encountered a man in a cape, and that man was Dr. Doom. Who were you expecting, Moon Knight? And Franklin says he wasn't afraid of him. The end. That's the dream. Okay, that is not the weirdest dream ever. I'll tell you the weirdest dream ever, which I had on, on November 26, 2009, according to my dream journal. So there was this overweight naked Chinese man with his body covered in blisters and scars. He made his living working with a group of circus freaks, and Belinda Carlisle from the Go-Go's was there looking at the freaks, and she decided to form a new band with herself, the naked Chinese man, and a set of triplets who could make a hat bounce back and forth between the three of their heads with very little effort. Look, I don't need to go on. You can imagine what a great band they became. We gotta get back to the story. So Ben tells Franklin that he shouldn't be afraid of Doctor Doom since he's dead. Franklin asked Ben if he had any dreams last night. Oh, Franklin, that is not the question you want to be asking Ben Grimm. There is no telling what kind of crazy dreams he has, and they are not appropriate to be telling to children, that's for sure. We do see a brief image from a dream that Ben had the night before, where he's running on a foggy, moonlit night from a small group of men with torches and hoods. We don't see what happens when the group of men catch up to Ben, but I'm guessing it's not something I can discuss in a family-friendly podcast. Oh shit, is this a family-friendly podcast? I don't know. Do any kids want to listen to this? I don't think so. Johnny comes into the kitchen looking for caffeine, and he doesn't look like he slept very well either. Franklin asks him if he had any dreams, and Johnny snaps back at him. Why can't you people just leave me alone? He immediately apologizes, and Ben leaves the room with the kids. And Sue asks Johnny what's wrong. He says he doesn't want to talk about it. But when he tries to leave the room, Sue puts up a force field around him. Over in uh, Reed's lab, Ben enters with the kids, and Franklin asks his dad if he had any dreams last night. But Reed's been so busy, he didn't even have time to sleep the night before. He's been running some tests on that pipe that had been turned into gold, but now it's lead again, and he's going to track the energy that was used on the pipe to turn it from lead to gold and back again. And that will lead him to Diablo, theoretically. Later, Sue is meeting with Jian, one of the executives who works with Johnny, running Fantastic Four, Inc. I'm guessing this might be the last time we ever see her. I doubt future creative teams are going to want to use her or even remember her. Or even... Remember that Johnny was a CFO of FF Inc. So Sue is going through some of the business paperwork, which, thanks to Johnny, is not very well organized. For example, papers relating to Stark International were filed under I for Iron Man's company. Gian does defend Johnny, saying that he has a lot of energy, and clients, vendors, and employees are all charmed by him. Later that night, Reed has fallen asleep in his lab, when Franklin comes in and wakes him up. Reed says that he had the oddest dream. Okay, I'm listening, but this better be the oddest dream or I am going to be pissed. The dream starts with Reed trudging through the snow 
carrying a giant bag of US mail. Okay, that is odd. Not even real mail carriers go out delivering mail when it's snowing. Jeez. In the dream, Reed knows that he has to make it to the Baxter building or else nothing can stop him. But then Reed gets surrounded by an army of villains, Inhumans, X-Men, and Spider-Man, and he has to make it past them. And to get by, there was only one thing he can do, wiggle his ears. Okay, that is an odd dream. But it, it sounds kind of like a dream that Willie Lumpkin would have, not Reed. And guess what? Franklin tells Reed that Willie told him that he had that dream yesterday. Which is even odder. And by the way, why is the mailman telling a little boy about his dreams? That seems very odd. So Reed calls. Can you imagine like a mailman coming by? Come over here, little boy. I want to tell you about this dream I had last night. Oh, and by the way, do you like movies about gladiators? So Reed calls a late night meeting getting everyone out of bed. He asks Ben what he was just dreaming about. And Ben tells him he was flying the Fantastic car, but he was having trouble steering it. It was out of control and he had no power. Reed says that dreams about not having any control are very common. For children? Ben is like, that's kind of an insult. Reed concludes, they're having each other's dreams. Sue immediately wonders, who the, hell, who the hell's dreams is Valeria having? Ben chimes up and says, uh, by the way she's been acting lately, they gotta be mine. Yikes. I'm so sorry, he says. Oh, poor Valeria. They don't tell us, they don't show us what kind of dreams that she's having, but I'm pretty sure she's gonna be traumatized forever. Sue says it must be the work of Diablo. And Johnny asks what the big deal is. They're only dreams. I think if he was having Ben's dreams, he'd feel differently. Ben looks really depressed. He's tried to hide his dreams for so many years, but now the secret is out and Valeria knows the truth. I don't think her little brain can quite process the kinds of crazy stuff that she saw in Ben's dreams. Reed explains that if they're not dreaming right, that will keep them from sleeping well. And if they can't sleep, they'll get irritable. And if they get irritable, they can't think clearly, and if they think can't, if they can't think clearly, they can't do a podcast clearly, and they might hurt somebody, and somebody might get hurt, and the issue ends with Reed saying, "I don't believe Diablo had anything to do with this." Bum bum bum. To be continued tomorrow. If you have any questions about the Fantastic Four, about this podcast, or if you need relationship advice, you can email me at podcastff at gmail.com. You can download other episodes of iTunes. Find them all at www.podcastff.podbean.com. So long, kids. This podcast is over. Who that damn